So first of all, if you are struggling, reach out for help. There's nothing to be ashamed of when you're reaching out for help. Uh, People are here for you more than you would expect. And you are much, much stronger than you realize. The fact that you are still here today, the fact that you are watching this, tells me that you have that will to make it through. And if you just focus on that and let it blossom, you will find yourself growing into a much stronger individual and you'll realize that you can help other people with these things as well. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. All right, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's the time for the Professor of Perseverance Podcast. I'm Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance himself, here to bring in another guest who have who has triumphed over tragedy. I mean, she's got a story and how she overcame it. And we all have stories, but we need to all get them out there so we can help someone else in the future. I mean, what you're going through, you know you're not the only one that's ever going to go through it, right? You're not the only one. Someone's already probably been through it. You're experiencing Now you can help someone else going to go through it in the future. So she's here to share her journey and how she's overcome and how it led to her product, her invention, her mindset, her way of helping other people. Hey, today, she's a grateful, positive person despite experiencing many terrible things. She's lost friends and loved ones, experienced an abusive relationship and rape. Now, I know this is going to be a tough topic, so hang in there. She's going to tell you how to handle things and how she did and help you in the, in the future. Uh, that's you know, something that I don't really understand, the abusive relationship, right? She's going to help us get some knowledge. And again, she says, an abusive relationship and rape both more than once. That's, that's amazing. I, I just don't understand people like that that, that that would abuse other people. So, Noam, she said, throughout everything, she has tried to grow and look on the bright side. No matter how dark the moments was, she would never take for granted the resiliency that she has been graced with, the ability to find growth opportunities in defeat, and the ability to find bright side from which, coincidentally, always shone light that revealed the way out. She loves helping people and try to use her experience to help other victims. All right, let's get on this. Welcome to the show. Michelle, Hello, everyone. Michelle Boris. You know I'm going to mess that up, right? It's okay. Everyone does. So, all right. Michelle, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is, again, this is something that I've never experienced, and I'm sure... I would imagine more women than men have experienced it. Not to say men haven't. So let's uh, get into what's going on here and how you were able to use it for the best. 
find the shining lining, the light at the end of the tunnel. No, it's not a freight train coming and things like that. So let's go ahead and uh, dive on in here. So we let's help somebody. Okay. So. And I understand I, this is a tough topic. I understand that. And, but, but again, your journey, you know, is going to help someone else. So I'm not, I'm not one of those Dr. Phil psychologists or whatever. We're just talking and see if we're going to help somebody. Yeah. I've been trying to be really open and honest about this lately. Um, I've actually been speaking about it on a couple of different podcasts and in, uh, more informal settings and stuff, but, uh, my, my history, uh, led to extreme PTSD for me, which I still have, but it's been improving slowly. It's not something that ever really fully goes away. Uh, but it's something that you learn to live with and to adapt and grow through. So, uh, guess I'll just dive into some of the stuff I've experienced. So you can get a general idea for, uh, what place I'm coming from. So should I do like a general intro too? So people know who I am or should I just stick to, these it's, are some terrible things. But this, this, this is your show. I'm just here to give you a platform to go. So you do is how you feel best. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to give you a whole little background of my life, which might be a little bit too much information, but you're still listening. So guess it's enough. Uh, I am a crazy person. I'm going to include happy stuff along with the sad stuff because that's the way life works. Um, since I was a little girl, I've told people that I want to save the world. When they say, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer is always save the world. Even though I know that that is not technically something you can be. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it's just been my, my gut instinct and my answer for ever. Uh, I've always been a really friendly, outgoing person. Um, I started volunteering really young. When I was in elementary school, I won an award from the city for the most service hours. because uh, I was volunteering a lot. I've, I've always volunteered a lot at different organizations. And eventually, uh, through a lot of effort, I pushed myself to become a uh, what I've always really dreamed of becoming, which is essentially a Renaissance man. And I say man because in the Renaissance, women were looked down on. They were treated very poorly. But a Renaissance man is someone who has done everything. They have skills in anything and everything. So if you're like, oh, no, is there a doctor? They can help. Or have you read Hamlet and know this one particular, this one particular quote? They just happen to know it. So that's been my goal is to be one of those people that is just skilled in a bunch of things. I want to, I want to take over and be the most that I can be. So I graduated early from high school, college and grad school. Uh, 
all of them, not because I was told to, but because I decided I was going to. That's usually how things work. I've always been advanced, gifted, uh, very passionate, and I've always been very active with activities like music. I've sung all over the world. I've sung in Russia, China, sung in the Vatican. Um, Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I was in a professional touring choir when I did that. I've sung the national anthem for the city of Phoenix before for their Fourth of July festival uh, and for a bunch of sports teams and stuff like that. Um, And I've always I've always been active in that. But my senior year of high school or my senior slash junior year, because I decided to graduate early, um, I it was like the summer was just beginning and one of my friends went missing and her entire family was missing. Uh, I remember we had almost like a memorial, like just a, a ceremony for everybody in the community because we were having a hard time with it because we didn't know it was happening. Kind of like a candlelight vigil. Um, but we ended up finding out, uh, a little bit later that my friend's father, who had a really bad brain tumor, ended up killing his entire family and then himself. Wow. And it's not that I was particularly close with this individual. I mean, I was in National Charity League with her. Um, so that means I did a bunch of volunteer helping stuff with uh, my mom and her mom. And we would all do stuff together uh, fairly often. But because of that, I know her family. And it made it that much harder because she had younger siblings and the heartbreaking part is that her father was a nice man and it wasn't his fault. The tumor was in a part of his brain where he wasn't able to rationally separate. It was completely the tumor and, Mm -hmm. uh, I found that out right before I went to college. So that's how I started my first year of college was dealing with a loss that I didn't fully understand the gravity of. But I tried to persevere and I tried to keep being myself. I joined every club in campus. I had five jobs. I was in the honors program and I had like a double major, double minor, double concentration. I was doing it all. Uh, But then uh, I had a... do Do you think doing it all was a way out to keep you from thinking about that experience? See, normally I would say 
yes, it might have been escapism, but that's kind of how I am as a person. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I've always been like that, the mm-hmm. overachiever that does everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's fair, I have, yes. yeah, I have too many things that I'm passionate about, and I just am bad at deciding between them, so I do them all. There you go. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I have thought about that and tried to psychoanalyze some of that experience, but I think when it actually started really impacting me was when I got into an abusive relationship, which was starting my second year of college. No, end of first year of college. Um, I met a boy who was really funny and he was a musician and he was also the most manipulative person I have ever met. Mm. Uh, He wrote me a love song which as a musician myself and as a vocalist was a really big deal because uh, we started writing music together and it's really hard not to fall for the bad boy musician type, even if he didn't really seem like that much of a bad boy. Um, Mm -hmm. And he he ended up being one of the worst decisions of my life. Uh, He was extremely abusive. Not so much physically, but emotionally, it got to the point where he broke me and I was no longer myself. I quit most of the clubs that I was active in. I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone. Like I wasn't allowed to talk to my family or definitely not any males. And it got to the point where I couldn't talk to females either, except for one person who he approved of. Mm -hmm. And I became suicidal. I became so depressed that I had a suicide attempt. But the people like that are good about taking your self-worth away. Everything was my fault. So oh, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. So one of the hardest parts of that relationship, and I think what pushed me really far down into a spiral where more people were able to hurt me was that I wanted to wait until I was married to have sex and he raped me and took my virginity. Mm hmm. And made me feel so bad because he didn't notice that I was crying the entire time. So I had to comfort him because it was my fault that I was crying and he didn't notice. No, yes. It took me years to realize that that was rape because of how intensely he was able to manipulate me. Because that's the biggest problem that people don't understand about abusive relationships. It's not that we choose to do these things. It's that we have been conditioned. Somebody is playing a psychological experiment on us and using all of our weaknesses against us to the point where you believe that they're true. This isn't something that 
I'm an intelligent person. It's not like I saw this relationship ahead of time and was like, oh, this is clearly not going to be a good relationship. He was very crafty. He was a heroin addict and was using the entire time we were together. And I didn't know. Um, Part of that was because I was a super goody two shoes and didn't do drugs or anything. So I uh, was very naive about that. I was going to say you were naive to the signs because never experienced or never being around that. And he, his, his signs that were, um, that you can normally tell with physical use, like the physical signs that you can see, uh, he didn't really have any that he was displaying until he would start going into, um, withdrawals because he ended up also stealing thousands of dollars from me and putting Mm. me in debt. Uh, Even though I worked five jobs through college and had a lot of money saved up for my next life steps. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in addition to taking all of that and not being able to fully understand what was happening to me, I was stuck in that relationship for about five years. And when I finally got the courage to leave, I was kind of thrown into a world I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when uh, Tinder and all of the um, dating apps were becoming a really big thing. And that was the only way to meet people. Uh, and I, I've always been a relationship person. So I've been back to back relationships when I'm, uh, like I date somebody for a long period of time and then somebody else will ask me out and I'll end up dating them for a long period of time. So I've never done the dating thing. Mm -hmm. So I was, I decided to jump in and try that. Uh, And I ended up having a lot of experiences that were very difficult. Um, Since then, uh, and I'm going to, there are a couple of reasons why these things happen um, that are not... I know at this point that these things are not my fault and to anyone listening, it is not your fault. No, you can never place the blame on these things to yourself. You do not choose to have these things happen to you. You are not provoking anything. This isn't something that you're asking for. People have the, ability to decide if they are going to act humanely to others and they choose whether or not they follow that code and you can't control what they decide. Um, That being said, statistically, there's a reason why people who are victims of abuse and rape tend to be victimized more than once. 
And it's kind of broken down into the psychology of the victim. When you have been victimized and treated like this, you tend to be conditioned into certain behaviors, certain behavioral patterns. And people who are wanting to hurt others can pick up on these habits and behavioral tics, little things. Um, it's almost like a hunter hunting its prey. You're a little bit more noticeable and they can tell that you're more vulnerable. So they, they know what to look for. Exactly. And then we uh, subconsciously are drawn to people who are like the ones that have abused us in the past. It's not a choice. It's something where psychologically you're drawn to them and you don't understand why. And a lot of times you don't understand how bad it is and that they are somebody similar to a personality that you've already been with. Uh, sometimes you don't notice the danger until it's too late. So um, I think one of my big pieces of advice in general for safety purposes is especially if your experience is fresh, make sure to have another person that you trust help you with certain judgment calls. So especially while you're, until you get psychological help or therapy and are able to fully process everything that you've been through, it's not a good idea to date. It's not a good idea to be around people who might have the opportunity to take advantage of you because you are in a vulnerable point. Um, so all of that being said, I started dating uh, online and had some fun dates, but most of them were men looking to manipulate me into sex and then disappearing um, for the one night stand. Yep. Uh, okay. Okay. And I had one person who I dated who was much older than myself. Um, I tend to date men that are older than me just because uh, I'm able to converse with them at a higher level than my age men usually mm -hmm. are. I got lucky with my fiance, but most, most men, I can't really, it's easier for me to talk to older men. I um, got to meet fiance just a few minutes ago. Seems like a nice, real, real good guy. He's my angel. He's a sweetheart. I think you found, like you said, I think you found your, your angel and your winner. I did. And that's something that I try to, tell people that as difficult as it is and everything that you're going through, keep pushing through because it will get better. There are good people in the world. 
I'm still having difficulty trusting men. Uh, with the exception of my fiance, he's like 100% trust, but he earned that. That mm -hmm. wasn't something that I just gave to him. He spent months trying to take care of me and be my friend when I wasn't ready for a relationship. Uh, when I met him, I was fresh into a large, uh, a very, very depressing point in my life, probably mm -hmm. the lowest of my lows. And he met me and was my friend and stayed with me and supported me and was exactly what I needed uh, the entire time, even if I was crazy and couldn't handle any kind of human contact or uh, go places or anything because I had uh, episodes if I did. And it goes back to what you're talking about here to me is I got a friend named bird. Hey bird. What's up, buddy? Uh, he's, he's been known to say, don't quit or don't give up before the blessings. So here you're down and out and maybe not even knowing what to do next. And then God, throws this human life jacket at you and it's brought him in to save you now. So we need to hang in, hang in, hang in for the blessings. Yeah. Uh, so back to um, some of the first trials that I went through dating. Um, it's hard because I don't want to talk about these things. Nobody does, but mm -hmm. I think it's important for you to understand how much we can live through and still grow and still continue to fight for life. One of my favorite quotes um, is Voltaire. Um, in one of his one of his plays, he has this old woman who has experienced every kind of horror you can imagine. Like her her life makes you break down and cry because you can't handle even listening to the things that she's experienced. And she says, I've wanted to kill myself. A thousand times, but I find that I am just too in love with life. And that has stuck with me since I was a kid. Um, and I think that it gives me courage to continue on. So I'm going to keep going deeper into some of my psychological terrors uh, just so you can understand that it does get better no matter what happens. Um, so I had a date with a man who was a bit older th than me who owned a gym and was very fit and he, after the date, 
manipulated me into thinking that he was too drunk to drive home. And I made sure he got back to his place okay. And then he physically overpowered me. And that was just once some random guy. And eventually I tried again because I don't want to believe that that's what everyone's like. Uh-huh. Of course, uh, I had to shower like five times because I was really traumatized and that's how it works. So I wasn't able to press charges because I washed away any evidence and he was well off enough that he would have been able to afford much better representation than I would. And it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have come to anything. So I ruined my chances at that, but I continued and The next time that I decided to go out and potentially meet people, I went with a friend and her boyfriend and another friend of theirs because safety in numbers. I went with somebody who I trusted. Their friend ended up getting me very drunk and drugging me. Mm. And then he ended up raping me. Um, And my friends didn't believe me because he was such a nice guy. So I ended up losing my best friend at the time because they weren't there for me when I needed them and they didn't believe what had happened. And they didn't, stop what had happened because they were supposed to protect me and keep me safe, but they still allowed that to happen because they got caught up and trusted him too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since then, I have been in relationships here and there. And because you don't notice your, psychological patterns very well until you have made it a pattern. I didn't notice that I was going into more abusive relationships. Um, I dated a really scary Russian guy once. Uh, He told me everything was my fault and I believed him. Uh, Very scary. Um, Oh yes. I can imagine. But eventually I was kind of getting to a starting over point. I got, I was teaching at Grand Canyon University, uh, which I I love teaching. I've been teaching for a while. And I was also working at a, a startup corporate office. And During this job, I made friends and was invited to go to an after-work gathering with some work people that were on my team. 
And I decided to go because I've never really had work gatherings like that. Mm -hmm. And found that one of my coworkers manipulated the situation. So I was unable to function to make rational decisions. He specifically got me intoxicated and drugged me a little bit too. Yes. I thought I was safe because it was with all work people. I thought that with all of the people there that it would be safe. Mm -hmm. And then he manipulated the situation to make everyone else leave. The people that I had specifically talked to for safety purposes as my buddies to make sure that I was safe because I do prepare, I do carry pepper spray. I do a lot of things to try and stop things like this from happening, but he managed to manipulate the situation to make my safety people that he guilted them into taking other people home because they had been drinking Mm. and got me alone. And that broke me. I can imagine. That was my, that was my breaking point. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, this meant that I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I had episodes nonstop and episodes with PTSD are basically flashbacks, but you're reliving them. So I physically mentally and emotionally was re-experiencing my trauma, my rapes over and over again. Uh, And when that would happen, my entire body would shut down. I would tremble. I would shake really bad, but I couldn't process what was happening around me. Uh, Especially in the beginning, physical contact made it 10 times worse. So nobody could touch me. Uh, which was really hard for my family, especially my mom would always try to hug me and then make it worse. And Mm -hmm. it it was really difficult for her to process. Um, But luckily I moved forward. So I did a few things. I had a really great support network. Uh, and I, I was going to get to that later, but uh, yeah, great support network, uh, family, I'm sure, some close friends. I don't, I'm not sure, psychiatrist, psychologist, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I was going to ask about your support group to help get through this. Yeah, so uh, some of the things that helped me the most was definitely my, my support groups and my family, my friends. Uh, you really see who truly cares about you when you're at your lowest point. Oh, yes. Uh, I I learned who my real friends were and who who I could really trust and uh, look to. Um, In addition to that, I got a lot of help from 
therapy, uh, psychology, psychiatry. Uh, and one of the biggest things that made a huge, amazing difference uh, for me personally was uh, I went to this clinic called the Serenity Mental Health Centers, and they have uh, procedures that are specifically for people who have experienced extreme depression or PTSD and similar things. Uh, one of the first treatments that they offer is called a ketamine treatment. Um, that one isn't permanent, but it helps. It's basically, uh, you're hooked up to an IV of ketamine and you have to sit there for an infusion for an hour or so. I don't remember exactly how long it was. Uh And you do that a few times and it basically, um, lowers your inhibitions a little bit, makes it so you can, uh, you're not as scared to live life, if that makes sense. Um, it kind of, you're living in almost a shadow of yourself for a period of time, and ketamine kind of helps you to step out from under that, uh-huh. uh, at least in the short term. And it's really helpful when you're about to start the next step of the process, which for me was the best thing that I recommend to everyone, which was TMS, which is uh, transcranial uh, mental stimulation. Okay. So, or magnetic stimulation, sorry. Uh, It's basically a giant helmet thing that you put on and it uses magnets to... uh, It tries to balance out your positive and negative ions into your capacity, mental capacity. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people wearing those bracelets or or uh, anklets. That some people put them in their shoe, and it's to help balance off your negative and positives. It's uh, it's a known process where they target very specific portions of your brain that are not producing enough of certain chemicals, Mm -hmm. and the stimulation helps to reactivate those portions of the brain. So you produce more serotonin and stuff like that. So you're able to process things healthier. Gets uh, that part a lot of the of brain times, more active. Yeah. A lot of times there are areas of your brain when you experience severe depression or PTSD, um, anxiety and everything that uh, are simply parts of your brain that aren't uh working as well as they should be. And uh, this helps to kind of rebalance everything and gets you back in line. Uh, It's a process. It's not something that is a one-time treatment thing. Uh, You go through, I don't remember how long it took me, three months. I I don't remember exactly how many sessions there were. Uh, It was prescribed uh, based on how many um, they thought I needed. And it's something that you go to regularly every week, multiple times a week, you go and you sit and you have this therapy happen to you. Uh, it's a little scary at first, feels weird on your brain. Um, I feel like one of them felt like a woodpecker on my brain. Okay. Um, but not, not unbearable or anything. It's just kind of an odd sensation. Mm-hmm. 
And it was life-changing, completely life-changing. It made it so I felt like myself again, not immediately, but as I continued with my therapy and these treatments, uh, I'm the kind of person that I, I usually describe myself as a combination of Hermione from Harry Potter because I'm a nerd and a bookworm. Uh, and would definitely like a time turner because I have way too much stuff to do in life. <laughs> there you um, go. And Jessica Day from New Girl, uh, she's charmingly awkward and she sings to herself a lot. Um, but I am definitely that kind of person. I always sing to myself. Uh, I'll sing about whatever I'm doing. It doesn't matter. Um, I sing and- to myself because no one else wants to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I sing. It's just something where I'd rather. It's it's therapeutic. It's meditation for you. It's a way to uh, step out and get some enjoyment. So, yeah, I can understand it. Yeah. Even when I was uh, preparing to test my microphone for this, it was like, hello, I am trying to test this right now. And. Oh, beautiful voice. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, But. I, I sing to myself all the time. I make up songs and little uh, ditties for everything because that's just, I'm weird like that. That's and okay. I stopped singing to myself when everything happened, when I started getting really depressed, when I started being in my abusive relationship. I, I stopped doing that. And it was something that I naturally do because my natural state is pretty happy. I'm normally a very cheerful, happy person. And that's my normal. You had had lost that characteristic or instincts due to the people. That's what they want to change you. So again, what did we say other that you feel worthless and you're not you anymore. So yeah, I, I can understand that you got out of your singing environment because that just wasn't you. Yeah. And music has always been something that I've been extremely passionate about. Like I said, I've toured the world singing and have done a lot with music, writing music. Um, But the first thing that really told me that it was working was when I came home, I started singing something randomly about what I was doing. I usually narrate what I'm doing in song. especially when I get bored. (laughs) Uh But I had started doing that again. And that's kind of when I saw that I was becoming myself again. Uh, That you you recognize, you recognize your first step to recovery. Exactly. And it was night and day difference. Like the fear that holds you back is so strong especially when you don't feel safe in your own skin, Mm -hmm. which I know a lot of women and men experience. And earlier on, you said something about uh, more women than men experiencing it. Uh, That's most likely true. But to be honest, men don't report as much as women. So we don't have the statistics to even compare. I can can understand it because one, a man don't want other people to know that a woman's beating him. Because I'm man, I bring home everything, I do everything, and then they don't want to feel vulnerable and 
getting beat up by a woman. I can understand that they feel ashamed, more shameful that they're being abused than they would want want people to know. I, I can believe yeah, that it's not reported and it would not be a, whatever the statistic is, would not be a fair one to represent. I, I can believe that. And it's the same thing with, uh, with sexual abuse, like rape for men. Men won't come forward because society as a whole doesn't react well to it. Uh, there are places where you go to the police precincts and you will report something like that and they'll straight up laugh at you. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens and yes. it's not yes. their fault. So we need to, as a society, speak up about these things in order to help people understand that they happen and that it's not their fault. We don't blame the victim. That's obviously not the right solution. Um, but because of everything that happened to me and where I was in my life, I realized that I needed to help communicate some of these emotions, experiences in a way that more people could understand. And because I've been an elementary school teacher and a college professor, um, I basically taught everything except for high school. (laughs) Sorry, guys, just (laughs) not my specialty yet. Uh, But besides high school, I've taught a lot of different ages. And the one that I am most passionate about is uh, elementary education because it focuses on learning things during a period in which the brain is like a sponge. Uh, It absorbs so much and you can do so much more for the future if you focus on children at that age, because they are the future. They will make the next big impacts. And this is the time to really get on their level and help them to understand things. So I decided to write a children's book, um, which is super cute. Uh, It's not, it's, it's about harder topics, but I did it in like a fun, quirky way. So it has a happy ending and it doesn't, it doesn't like leave the children haunted by the concept. It just opens up the opportunity for conversation. Yeah. So that's my book. Sock Lobsters. Sock Lobsters. There you go is the name of the book. Yep. And uh, essentially uh, the book focuses on loss and uh the complex emotions associated with the grieving process. So I go through the stages of grief and actually name them and give them their proper names. So that way uh, children can understand them a little bit better. Um, I had my book out, but uh, essentially I have uh, images that I drew because I illustrated and uh, wrote my book. Uh, where I display one of the main characters, the socks. So the socks are named Sebastian and Lola. And I display them experiencing these emotions. Uh, so it's a lot of it is in the subtle expressions um, of my illustration, but it's you connect with it. You can understand that emotion when you see it. 
So it helps children to process it on a different level. And my overall goal now, um, because I, I think it turned out really well, was that I was going to use this to make a series of books about sock lobsters, and I created my own business. So right now, you see uh, part of my website on the screen. Uh, you can see I have a t-shirt <laughs> up that I made. It actually has the picture of my book cover on the back, too. Um, and then I, I uh, have a lot of socks. <laughs> so I decided that with each book well, release, it is titled I'm, It is titled Sock Lobster. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought it would be fun to design socks to go with each book. So with each book release, my goal is to release at least two custom designs of socks. So the ones that are on there right now, I have a couple ones that are um, not ones that I personally designed, but I have in stock uh, that have like regular lobsters on them. And then I have my two designs that I customized, one of which is a fuzzy sock. It is amazing. I'm wearing them right now. I wish I could wear them every day because they're so comfortable. And there you go. There you go. Yes. They have non-slip bottoms, which I specifically designed so that way kids wouldn't fall and get hurt when they're running. Um, and I have those in kids and adult sizes. And the same thing with my other design, the classic sock that I have there, the red and white one. Uh, that one has my two characters on it. And then it says sock lobsters on the, um, the cuff. So that's the other, uh, the other pair of socks that I designed. I just wanted to have ones that were special to commemorate the book itself. And I'm already working on the second book and designs for it. And I also have uh, translations in Spanish and I'm working on a Mandarin translation. It's almost done. So my goal was to try and help spread this, this message and help children to be more open and communicate so that way they can develop empathy which is my real goal, because I think that empathy helps children to grow into more kind, loving adults. And I think it prepares them for a better future. Let's so, uh, mention, before we move on, let's mention about your Donate to Children's uh, Literacy and oh, on yes. your website. So one of my options on my website is uh, you can buy my book, but essentially you're buying it for someone else. You can specify if there's a particular person, organization, uh, anything that you would like it to be sent to, or you can give me the option and I will pick a place that could use it. So right now I have quite a few people who are using it in uh, therapy. I know a lot of therapists who have been using it with their patients. Uh, which is really exciting. They've said it's been really effective. And I know a lot of teachers who have added it to their classroom libraries. I've sent it off to a few nonprofits as well. If you know nonprofits that work with children, um, hospitals, any kind of mental health center or center that works with children. The next, um, the next goals and the next uh, areas that I plan on targeting for my message is to try and address the foster system and adoption and some of the uh, issues that people experience 
due to different racial tensions. And I'm moving on from there. I, I already have ideas for the third book, but I don't want to give anything away. So. Okay. Uh, and you did say early, you did say early that uh, when you were young, what did you want to do? Save the world. All right. So you can uh, one piece at a time, one book at a time, one pair of socks at a time, uh, different areas like you're talking about can reach out and save a small part of the world. And then hopefully, like I said, people will uh, donate to the children's literacy and they can pass that book on to help save even more people that you don't even know who they are and who they belong to. And, but you know, it's helping someone. Yeah, definitely. And I love hearing stories about it. So if you do uh, get my book and it helps you, please reach out and let me know if you hate it and think it could be better. Let me know too. I, my goal is to help people. Uh, I'm not trying to just become a business tycoon. My goal is to help as many people as I can and I can reach a wider audience as an author and illustrator than I can as a teacher in one classroom. I'd rather teach multiple classrooms. So this is where I've kind of been pushing myself to try and turn my trauma into something that can be a lesson that can help other people. You can triumph over trauma. So there we go. You know, the sad thing is a lot of us are going to go through one trauma, you know, basically one, something, loved one dying, parent dying, you know, one, basically. But for, I mean, spinal cord injury, hopefully that's all I'm going to really have, <laughs> hopefully. But, you know, cancer, heart attack, something. But we're all going to go through at least one major trauma. But for you, you know, going through multiples, Again, I don't. I apologize for these men uh, that they don't represent the whole, and you know that. But they, for them, I, I just have no. I have nothing to say. I mean, I, I don't understand it. I don't know why they think they have to be like that. Uh, I, uh, the, I'm in a wheelchair, so you know, if if I hit anybody, it'd be like a. a, a a fly landing on their arm because I don't have the strength to hit them anyway. So they hit me harder. So I wouldn't hit a woman because she hit me harder than I could. So, but uh, yeah, I, I, I apologize for them, but, but I'm so thankful that you've able to get through to the other side. And again, we mentioned earlier about uh, your fiance, how he became a spiritual life jacket to save, help, help save your life and, realize that they're still good in the world. I like to call him my mountain. Um, mm -hmm. He he went through a, a hard breakup because he was engaged before we met. And uh, afterwards, he watched a lot and looked up a lot of information about relationships and how to have a really healthy relationship and things that he could be doing better. Um, and one of the things that he, one of the biggest lessons that he learned was from a video that basically described how your goal is to be someone's mountain, something that is steady and strong that you can depend upon uh, time after time. And that's, that's what he is for me. And that's I was awesome. really lucky to find him. Oh, well, you don't use the word luck. You were blessed. And uh, it's one of the things that I say was, 
meant to be. And again, mentioned my bird, uh, friend Bird earlier, but Bird, his uh, father says, and before he told me his father said before, there's no such thing as coincidence. That's God being anonymous. So God was definitely looking to seek and he's realized that you got through to the other side, thank, sent you some help, love. And so you, you, it's more than luck. It's being blessed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can see it, but the painting I have in the background is a painting I did uh, as a present for him. Uh, so that's that's my fiance, Landon, in the background. There we go. So now go ahead and tell us uh, uh, the your name of your website. So in case uh, people want to come to it. Socklobsters.com. It's really easy. The book title is the same title as the website and the business. Check it. If you type in sock lobsters, it comes up pretty fast on Google. You'll be able to tell. Uh, it's also on Amazon, and I'm working on getting my socks on Amazon right now. Just my book is on Amazon, uh, but I'm working on that process. It'll be done soon, hopefully. Um, please leave reviews if you do look into this. I love reviews, and I need as many as I can get. Uh, all the feedback is extremely helpful. And again, uh, again, I'm 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 the same as you. If somehow I've helped you, please let me know. But I've come to realize and learn, and I've talked about this before, that <clears throat> we're not going to know every time we've helped someone. We just oh, know in fine. faith that we know in faith that uh, somewhere the seeds been planted somehow, hopefully, and hopefully they flourished from however they got. Like my my. I got a, my first book is called one more play, how I got injured. And I had two people come up to me and two different times, they're about a year apart, but both of them, the same story is about the same. They said, Hey, I read your book. And I said, really? I said, could you tell me how you got it? Did you uh, order it? Did you see it online? Did you try to guess? Did someone refer it to you? Did you find it in a trash can laying in a gutter? You know, how did you come and get the book? And both of them told me, uh, one of them told me one time, first thing he said was, I read your book four times. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, yeah, right, sure, four times. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I didn't say it to him. But then that's when I asked, how'd you find it? And both of them told me, both of them, again, a year apart, that they were, one of them was a female, one was a male. And one, they both said, I was locked up in the county jail, and your book is in the library. So <laughs> my one book... First book, I got more than one now. First book is in the county jail lockup facility in their library. And I know that it has helped two people. That's and awesome. So, now, how many other inmates? I have no idea, but I hope that they are getting something out of it. And I don't know how my book got there. But I have two other friends. Both of them said they sent the book on uh, to them, to the library uh, in the county jail. So, so I mean, what I'm saying is you, you're not going to know everybody. You just know that you're pushing it. Hopefully other people are pushing it. Even if someone buys it and then gives it away to someone. So here again, slowly saving the world. That is the goal. So, all right. So you can go to Michelle's website again is socklobsters.com. And there's a link to click on that says shop. 
So you can go shop and buy the book or socks and share it or out with both. people. Or both, exactly, or both. But it's never too early to buy Christmas gifts and stash them away. So you know somebody's birthday's coming up, anniversaries, Mother's Day's coming here soon, and Father's Day, something's always coming up. So invent a day, just buy them and give it to somebody and just say, I was thinking of you to help them out. So, well, Michelle, I appreciate you being on here and sharing your story. Again, I'm so sorry for everything you've been through, but I'm so blessed that you came across me, that our paths crossed, that knowing that you are helping somebody today, tomorrow, 100 years from now, somebody, they say stuff stays on the internet. And so uh, 100 years now, whatever they call this, someone's going to stumble across and you're going to help them. So I appreciate you being on. And can you do one last thing here for us? Of course. There's people, people that are struggling, hurting, that again, we know of people, we don't know of people, but we know it's going on. Can you leave a positive message that's going to help someone get through today? Absolutely. Uh, so first of all, if you are struggling, reach out for help. There's nothing to be ashamed of when you're reaching out for help. If you need to reach out to me, there's contact information on my website. You can contact me anytime. I can't guarantee how fast I'll answer because I'm crazy busy, but I will try and get back to you. Uh, people are here for you more than you would expect. And you are much, much stronger than you realize. The fact that you are still here today, the fact that you are watching this, tells me that you have that will to make it through. And if you just focus on that and let it blossom, you will find yourself growing into a much stronger individual and you'll realize that you can help other people with these things as well. People are watching you to see how you handle situations because they're, they feel they're not as strong as you are. And so they're watching you to get out of something and they're going to use that whatever to try to help themselves as well. So, Michelle, thank you again. Appreciate everything. Be sure to tell fiance I said hello again. And it was I nice will. meeting him. And much, much success with Sock Lobsters. Again, go to the website and I'll put it in the description, socklobsters.com. For anyone else that's coming in, thank you for the replay. Thank you for coming out. Share to someone you know this is going to help. Again, you don't have to be a spinal cord injury like me. You don't have to be in an abusive relationship. And for that, the message across the board is providing hope to let people know that the end of the tunnel is there, the light at the end is there, and know that it's not a freight train coming, that it's really ending and good things will be coming soon. Everyone else, do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. You've got this. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.